You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore Ravens news and information. Now, ice up, huh? Hello and how are you folks doing this evening? You're listening to Kyle Barber and Matthew Stevens on the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. We have a special event going on tonight. This evening we are having a call-in number for tonight's episode. If you do give us a call, you're more than welcome to. And that number is, Matt Stevens? It is 410-635-0869. Give us a shout and uh, you'll be able to talk to us live on air. Absolutely. We'd love to take calls, folks. We really didn't schedule that much of a show because we were helping <laughs> we get some good call-in numbers and people wanted to discuss with us about Baltimore Raven football, AFC North football, or, you know, just any NFL team. We just can't promise that we know as much about all 31 NFL teams as far as we know about the one in five Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> which is just oh so fun to say for the first time in franchise history. Right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm over here laughing just because. Yeah, we know a lot about a one in five team that I don't even think the Ravens know that much about. Oh man, oh mercy. I'm. It's not fun. Sure as hell <laughs> is not fun. Like of all the things I had prepped for this season, it sure was hell was not uh, one in five. Well, you know, Kyle, would... it, it's funny because at the start of the season, and we talked a little about this before the podcast. You know, you and I were talking about this is a Super Bowl contending team, and the complete opposites happened. I think every week we've expected the Ravens to win. The complete opposite has happened. So at this point, I want to say this is the worst team in football. I'm at that point, too, where I really do believe that this is going to be the worst team in football. Um, We lost to the 49ers, who were ranked around 30th. We've lost to the Raiders, who were ranked really low. We've lost to... The Browns with uh, Luke McCowan and a ragtag team of wide receivers and tight ends who even caught it by uh, his ankles and his asshole. Um, by this point, I mean, it cannot get much worse than what we're currently sitting at as as Baltimore Ravens fans. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you on that one, man. I mean, and the only team that the Ravens did beat were a Pittsburgh team that had just lost its starting quarterback just a few days before and we're going into a short week with noodle arm michael vick and uh you know that and was the, a team that... <laughs> and the mvp of the world josh scoby <laughs> the raven mvp of the season that stopped us from being zero and six josh scoby praise the lord <laughs> It was, you know, and even that game came down to overtime. So, I mean, we're not talking about a good Baltimore Ravens team right here. We're talking about a team that won one game, but realistically, by sheer luck, by multiple missed kicks, by just just bad play all the way around by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and it's it's pretty rare that you see the more physical team lose a game, but that's exactly what you saw that on that, that game uh, against the Steelers. I just, it was terrible. It was embarrassing. And uh, the fact that we even won that game was almost like, oh my God, we got the win out of the way. We're okay now. Like, (laughs) we can suck the rest of the season. We just need to win one. And one being at Pittsburgh, you know, playing in Heinz Field, winning a terrible slop fest (laughs) overtime game. That's all I'm happy about because that's all we needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we went out there and we did it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we stumbled ourselves into victory. <laughs> we literally tripped and fell into a victory. It was it was terrible, absolutely terrible. For folks that are just joining us, though, uh, we are having on top of this show being live, a live call-in phone number. Obviously, it could not be live, or else you'd be calling somebody hours afterwards. It'd be weird. So please give us a call. That number is four one zero. 635-0869. Talk to Matt Stevens and Kyle Barber live. Talk to us about any NFL football that you would like to like to discuss. Any any players, any personnel, any teams as a whole, uh, divisions, anything you want to talk to us about, give us a ring. We'll be happy to answer. We just cannot promise that we're as knowledgeable as we are about the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, we kind of planned this this podcast to be a vent session for all of us. Uh, I don't I don't think any Ravens fan really went into the season expecting a one and five team uh, as they enter week seven here against the Arizona Cardinals. But, um, you know, feel free to call in and just cuss up a storm. That's the wonderful thing about us being on the Internet. Uh, You can tell Dean Pease. Uh, the fictional Dean, P- Dean Pease to go fuck himself if you really want. Um, There's that. There's absolutely that. <laughs> in, in fact, that might actually help things. We're, we're going to do the first ever Baltimore beatdown recovery session, therapy session. Uh, just scream into the pillow, folks. Well, that sounded really weird. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that happens every broadcast now, Kyle, doesn't it? It's, it's mainly you as well. Oh, That's it totally point. is. It, it really is. I've had one lapse. Yeah, that's well, why I understand. Know. Like, it's very tough to talk or uh, call a game for over three hours and not say one stupid sentence, not be perfect. It's so hard. Yeah. Well, let us talk a little bit while we're waiting for phone calls. Let us talk a little bit about um, the Ravens are facing off against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that I think just about every Ravens fan expects to beat the Ravens by double-digit points. Um, let's Let's do a quick injury report since that was the – First thing that uh, we got today was the Ravens and Cardinals injury report. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, the Baltimore Ravens did not participate today. The following Baltimore Ravens did not participate today. That is safety Terrence Brooks with a thumb injury. Linebacker Elvis Doomerville, non-injury related on a positive note. Cornerback Asa Jackson, because, you know, why the hell not with a thigh injury. Safety <laughs> Kendrick Lewis with a knee injury. Rashad Perryman with a I, – I, actually, at this point, I don't even think he's a real person. Uh, linebacker <laughs> Daryl Smith, non-injury-related event. And tight end Max Williams with a knee and ankle. Uh, doubt me on that one, Kyle. I think anybody's only seen him once. Um, yeah, he's just, a, he, he's just a person with dreadlocks that we just <laughs> imagine it's still Tory Smith on our sideline. It's side just line. a homeless person. Uh, limited, particip- <laughs> limited participation for the Baltimore Ravens is defensive end Chris Candy with that calf injury. He's had it now for like five weeks and has been mm-hmm. kind of useless for the Baltimore Ravens. Cornerback Ladarius Webb with a thigh injury because, again, you know, why have cornerbacks on this team any longer? And offensive guard Marshall Yonda with an ankle. Full participation. Wide receiver Darren Waller with a concussion. Uh, for the Arizona Cardinals... Much smaller list here. Did not participate. Tight end Darren Fells with a shoulder injury. Wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald, non-injury related event. Linebacker Alex Okafor, Okafor, calf injury, whatever. Chances are he's going to score a touchdown on us too. Um, (laughs) Limited participation. Cornerback Justin Bethel with a foot. 
wide receiver John Brown with a hamstring, defensive tackle, and you probably know this name, Corey Redding with a shoulder injury, Mm -hmm. defensive tackle, and my favorite name in the NFL, Frosty Rucker with a foot injury, (laughs) and linebacker Lamar Woodley with a chest injury. All those names on that uh, bottom half, the, the limited participation for the Cardinals, those all sound really familiar. Sorry, you cut out at the end. What was that? I said all those names, Corey Redding, Frosty Rucker, and Lamar Woodley, those all sound familiar to the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, Corey Redding was on the Baltimore Ravens for a little bit of time. Frosty Rucker, uh, I believe, was with Cleveland for the longest time. And Lamar Woodley it was a Pittsburgh Steeler. So those are three names that the Baltimore Ravens have some uh, acquaintances with this uh, over, over the past few seasons. And they won't be able to hang out with each other like usual, man. It's upsetting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I want to do is uh, say hello to Lamar Woodley because he's uh, he's hurt the Ravens a couple times last I checked. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you never want to see anyone on the injury report, but uh, hopefully he can't play. <laughs> yeah, did you say uh, Doomerville was on that injury report? Did I hear? He, he was. Elvis Doomerville was on the injury report, but it was for a non-injury related event, uh, which, you know, for for those that are listening in, uh, it usually means that he probably got like the Veterans Day off. Um, yep. Daryl Smith is also on it for the same type of reason, non-injury related event. Uh, the veterans typically, those types of veterans typically get a Thursday off. Um, yeah. So you, you'll see them on there pretty much throughout the rest of the season uh, on Thursdays for, for the most part. I mean, that's there's always weird things that happen in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, so both those guys aren't injured, but... Uh, but are on the injury report. One guy that's not on the injury report, which I find amazing, Kyle, is Steve Smith Sr. Right. Dude has four broken bones in his back, not even on the injury report. Not not full participation, not limited participation. That dude was like, whatever, I'm cool. That It's unreal to see a guy with a broken back just still playing, and not only playing, not just being a uh, diversion like how Roddy White was used when he had a high ankle strain or when Julio had that foot injury, but like he's out there and he's making over 100 yards a game. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, at this point, I, I think I just checked. He's like 127 yards away from being in the top 10 all-time receiving. Uh, which, I mean, based on the way that his games have gone pretty much every game, he's probably going to nab the 127 in this game. I would love to see him break that record. I, uh, Especially in this game, you know, the sooner he gets to that record, the better, and he can continue to work. If he puts up the same season total he did last year, and he's already ahead of that pace, yeah. um, he, uh, he would finish 19 yards above, uh, I believe it is, Reggie Wayne for eighth, all-time on that list. He would be eighth passing yeah. uh, Reggie Wayne and a player right below him. That's, I mean, that that's a sick stat. And like you said, Kyle, I mean, he's he's already beating his pace from last season. Uh, and mm-hmm. even last season, a lot of people were like, whoa, I didn't realize an old man could still catch balls like that. I mean, that's that's impressive. Um, and he's he's out there doing it like a one-man show. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's faced double coverage because nobody else can cover. Nobody else needs to cover Marlon Brown. Not a lot of people have had to cover Kamara Aiken. They do have one guy on on Kamara, obviously, but they don't need to double cover uh, Aiken with the talents of Steve Smith Sr. and uh, the tight ends have it pretty locked up with Crockett Gilmore being injured. Nick Boyle and Max Williams are a small threat, but they definitely aren't 
near as much as 100 yards like Steve Smith has been pointing out, meaning they're going to be focusing the defense on two things, the run game and Steve Smith Sr. That's it. They don't need to worry about a lot else. Yeah, which, you know, is kind of surprising to me. And, and you know, obviously with a 1-5 and five season, uh, we're looking at everything at this point. I mean, offense, defense, special teams. What the hell can the Ravens get better at in order to uh, to not go 1-6? and six? Mm-hmm. Um uh, and one of the things that I've noticed is that the, the Ravens have struggled a bit in the red zone. And you mentioned, Kyle, that uh, the tight ends have not been a huge part of the game so far. Obviously, Crockett Gilmore has been out uh, with with his calf injury as well. I believe he played last week, but, you know, it, it takes a little while to get back to 100% on that type of stuff. But uh, the Ravens have not used their tight ends all that well in the red zone. And maybe it's... I mean, the Ravens certainly have a size advantage at tight end and even at wide receiver with guys like Kamar Aiken. Um, it, it's surprising to see them not kind of manhandle defenses down in the red zone when you'd figure that that's really where their strength should be. Absolutely. It's it's very discomforting to see you have the personnel for a certain style of offense and you're not using it to your advantage. You need to be running the ball a lot more. You need to be running off on the edge more than you need to be going up the middle, especially with uh, using Justin Forsett as a one cut back who can stretch the field in his own blocking scheme. You have a possession receiver in Kamari, and he's not going to make a lot of catches. He cannot get a lot of separation, but he is strong enough to start separating some players out from others. But another thing that's really, really strange to see is you have Steve Smith-Steiner who can uh, who can make all the routes. He can do every single route imaginable. It's unreal that a guy at five foot nine and thirty six years old can <laughs> still run every single route, especially as well as he does. Then yeah. you have a big size advantage. You have three tight ends. Uh, you have a surplus of tight ends. Dennis Pitta isn't even on the team, and you aren't even sure if he'd be the number one or number two tight end if everybody was healthy. We have a surplus of tight ends, and the weird thing is they all have great advantages. Max Williams is very fast with sure hands. Nick Boyle is a strong-handed blocker who's also been able to get vertical. Both of them have been able to break tackles and hurdle defenders. And then Crockett Gilmore, the biggest of the three, he's 6'7", 265 pounds. This man is a clear mismatch the same way as Rob Gronkowski is. Uh, obviously not as skilled uh, in the in the speed or uh, big playmaking department, but he's also younger than Rob Gronkowski. There's a reason why. This is only a second year in the league. But to use those as an advantage, we haven't seen very much, like you had mentioned, and it's, it's disheartening to see an offensive coordinator not use the personnel the way that you would expect. Also, it's kind of on the personnel's fault. They aren't being able to uh, play up to the potential that they are. You know, I, I kind of feel like it's it's both ways, but I blame it on the coordinator. Yeah, I, I mean, and and I'm sure we're going to do a post about this soon, but uh, the departure of Gary Kubiak to the the changeover to Mark Tressman, the new offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I wonder if a lot was talked about at the beginning of the season that Mark Tressman wasn't going to change things in Baltimore in, in terms of his scheme. He was just going to add some new wrinkles, and I think all of us kind of expected that to be more passes to the running backs, and so far, we haven't really seen that. We've seen kind of a, a big shift in offensive scheme. Um, and actually, we, we've got our first call here, so let's go ahead and jump over to that. Wonderful. Hello, you are on the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. How's it going? Ah, oh, doing fantastic. Oh, no, I can't hear it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and hit us up. Well, let's let's go ahead and repeat the question for those that uh, did not hear. One and five start, probably going to get a pretty high draft pick. Where do you think Ozzy goes uh, in the draft? I, I think a lot of that's going to have to depend on who's out there and whose stock kind of rises or falls uh, during the um, you know d during the combine and stuff like that when they when they start scouting those guys a little bit more. But I would not be surprised. The Ravens are short on playmakers on both sides of the football, uh, whether it be in the passing game with wide receivers or whether it be with cornerbacks or, or even running backs. Um, would not be surprising to see either one, uh, any of those skill positions kind of end up getting picked up by the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'd say everyone's going to end up wanting to go for a wide receiver, Kyle, and uh, – Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know if the Ravens go wide receiver in this draft. How about you? I don't see us going on the wide receiver business. I see more along the lines of a cornerback. I really think there might be a cornerback. Webb is due a lot of money after this season. And while he's still good, clearly uh, one of the better cornerbacks the Ravens have had, his health issues consistently after having two ACL tears. He has a hamstring injury when he's not having an ACL tear. It's proving to be more than the Ravens can handle, especially with the money he's due. I think they may either uh, do a post-June 1st cut or and uh, try and take a, a rookie cornerback and pray that the kid can actually play up to par because the Ravens really need one of two things on the defensive side more than anything else on this uh, on this complete roster, and it's going to be a cornerback or a massive pass rusher because yeah. Jarrell Suggs isn't getting any younger. So it's going to be cornerback or it's going to be pass rush is what I'm hoping for. As we all know, Ozzie Newsom does do best player available, so it's very tough to judge whether or not he's going to do actually what's on the board or what this team needs for once, you know, especially with the draft pick so high. Currently we are, what, sitting in the third to fifth selection? Yeah, I think last time we checked it, it was the third position, and uh, it's actually going up. So the Ravens, I believe, have a 9.7% chance of getting the first pick in the draft. Um, oh so it's it's not the percentages you want to hear in that regard. But, uh, yeah, at the very least, I think they're sitting at the third spot right now. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah, I, and, and Kyle, you made a good point there. He goes for best player available. Um, you know... Who knows if Ozzie Newsom trades back? And I think a lot of Ravens fans would be very angry in that situation um, if Ozzie Newsom does go ahead and trade back. And actually, we, we got got our man calling back here. Oh, it looks like we lost you there for a second. Can we hear you again? Yeah. Oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, we, we've actually been answering your question a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, just going back to it real quick. Who does Ozzie Newsom draft in this draft uh, with the Ravens kind of going with a high draft pick? I, I personally think a skill position, cornerback, wide receiver, possibly even running back or a pass rusher. And my man Kyle Barber here kind of agrees with me on that one. The Ravens need to go after someone uh, that can make big plays, make those big splash plays, whether it be through the air as an offensive player, uh, on the ground as an offensive player, or, or just by 
being able to kind of cause some chaos there on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but we do know that Ozzie Newsom goes after best player available, or he even likes to trade back. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. What do you think? And you know, hit the chest. For once, too much money. Yeah. I, I just have a feeling for, uh, That's what, at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you on that one. I'm gonna have to let you go. We're having some uh, audio issues here, but. Um, what our, what our caller said was that, um, you know, we're having a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball. And at this point, as much as he hates to say it, uh, it looks like we might be in a rebuilding point. And, and I kind of agree with him. And I, and I know, again, a lot of Ravens fans are going to hate that. Uh, we don't rebuild. We don't, uh, uh, we just retool. This is a team that is not exactly doing hot when it comes to the talent. Uh, side of things right now, and, and that's that's obvious when you look at this team on the field. So, um, mm, you I'm know, to disagree with that. I really, really, Kyle, you you think this is a team that still has a lot of talent? Uh, next season, this season's done. This season's toast. But if you're to say that this team needs to rebuild, we've had one bad year. Yes, we went eight and eight two years ago. We went to the playoffs and we lost because we didn't have enough cornerbacks. We do have talent. You cannot tell me Will Hill is not talented. You can't tell me Jimmy Smith isn't, C.J. Mosley isn't, Brandon Williams, the best nose tackle and one of the best uh, defensive tackles slash nose tackles in the NFL is not talented. You have Timmy Jernigan, still have Elvis Doomerville. Next season, you'll have Terrell Suggs back. That's just the defense. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, you have a Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco, with one of the greatest playoff runs in history. Justin Forsett, who is a very good back in uh, in a certain zone lock scheme. You have the best guard in the last 20 years with Marshall Yonda. You have Rick Wagner, who, while he has taken a step back, still a very talented tackle. It's tough when, uh, on the opposing side, they had James Hurst. Now you got Eugene Monroe back, and he's a top 16 tackle in the NFL. Coleccio Semele, who was top 10 last year, took a little bit step back, but he's getting it back now that he doesn't have to save James Hurst's ass on that left side. Coleccio Semele, I like to say, is about a top 10 guard still in my mind. Jeremy Zuda is a top 50% center in the league. Steve Smith Sr., I know he's going to retire this season. Say the Ravens finally convince him not to. Obviously, he's a still 1,000-yard receiver. Rashad Perryman may or may not be uh, healthy finally, so we'll see what happens after that. You'll have another fresh draft pick by next season. You cannot rebuild after one bad season. I, I know this is a very bad season, but rebuilding means giving away good old parts to bring in young talent and to uh, finally rebuild around. Joe Flacco doesn't need a rebuild right now. He's halfway through his career. He's had four offensive coordinators in the last four years. You need to get a stable. Uh, you need to get a stable business going before, because every single year this team gives away all of their coordinators. They can't retain any of the talented minds that they have that run all of these parts. You need somebody smart that is going to be able to stay here. 
These are a lot of very talented players. It's just being able to find the right person to uh, to be able to use such great personnel. Uh, you know, Kyle, I'm, I'm going to completely disagree with you on this one, and, and we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, I just did want to go ahead and mention that uh, we're having some audio issues. Uh, this is obviously our first time using the call-in number here, uh, and, and folks at home who are listening in live cannot hear us, and actually neither can Kyle, and we tested this beforehand, but, uh, you know, stupid things happen, so here we are. But, um, you know, Kyle, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. And you mentioned a lot of players, guys like Akalechi Assembly. He's probably not going to be here next year. Uh, Brashad Perryman, we've yet to see him play, so who, who knows who the hell he is. Uh, Marshall Yanda, on the back end of his career, still great player, but he's on the still back end of his one. career. He's still number one. He, he's, he's still number one, but how many more Play years does he have shot. left? How many more years does, does Marshall Yanda have left? I believe he's 31 right now, so what, three more years? Not saying yes. that's a bad thing, but that's that's three more years. So either you get it done now and immediately now, which means you need to go ahead and start trading a lot of draft picks to pick up guys that you you essentially you're in win now mode, which the Ravens have said numerous times they will not do that because it bit them in the ass the last time after the first Super Bowl that they went to go do that defensively. Terrell Suggs, I, who would be shocked if he went ahead and retired at the end of the season? I, I certainly wouldn't be. I mean, two Achilles tears, uh, it's it's unheard of for a guy to go ahead and return after one Achilles tear, doing it a second time. It, it's it's literally unheard of. No, nobody's returned from that to be anywhere close to themselves. Uh, Lardarius Webb, shadow is, of his former self, and has a stupid high salary. He's not going to be here next year. Um, you know, right, right. Jimmy Smith is still battling the injury that he had last season, and we haven't seen the Pro Bowl talent that we saw last year before the injury. And I'm not saying that he's not going to return to that. He certainly I feel like could. He is. But I feel and, like that's one of the biggest arguments is that Jimmy Smith is his very first game back. He got a pick six on Peyton Manning. Regression or not, it was a very talented play. It wasn't like that was a hand meet out. He jumped over a receiver to take it from that receiver's face and then ran it back. 20 yards. That was no easy play. He also got an interception against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. CJ and, and he's, he's dropped scored, a bunch. So and and he's, he has dropped a bunch, but let's also look at the fact that, I mean, by, by PFF's ranking, he's not anywhere close to a top 10 corner. I believe last <laughs> time we checked on it, he was like ranked 80th or something like that. And I don't have it right in front of me, so it may, right. he might have gotten it better was in since that, that time. No, it was in that area. You're but right. but we're, we're not talking about a top 10 and even a top 20 cornerback just by the way that he's played. And he's had his chances, uh, certainly. But it, th there's a reason why this defense is giving up so many points. And I can't look to anyone on that defense, including Will Hill, who's who's been phenomenal for the Baltimore Ravens. I can't look at anyone on that defensive side of the football and go, good job, good job, you're playing lights out. Nobody, not not a yeah. single person is, is playing that way. And, and I cannot expect them to play that way next year. We had this discussion last year, and, and we're having it now this year, is, ah, well, they'll get healthy. Well, how many years do we have to go ahead and say, ah, they'll get healthy before we go? Maybe they're not healthy. Maybe that's just what this team is. Maybe guys like Lardarius Webb are just injury or prone. Maybe, maybe that's the issue. Maybe it's just the fact that we have guys that are getting up there in age and we need to go ahead and shed those guys, which at that point is rebuilding. If you're getting rid of guys like Lardarius Webb, if you're getting rid of, uh, of your Kendrick Lewis's, uh, of your um, Kalechio Semeles, possibly even Jeremy Zuta, even though he, he did just kind of work his contract for the 
Baltimore Ravens. There was some yeah. talk initially that he might not uh, be here next year. Uh, Eugene Monroe is another guy that might not be here next year based on the way that he's played and what his contract situation is. Uh, you're, you're looking at a team that could dramatically change from right this minute to next year. And in my eyes, I think that's a rebuild. I, I don't think it's a rebuild in the eyes of like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. That That's a 10-year rebuild that may never build up to anything positive. I, I do think, though, that the Baltimore Ravens are not going to sacrifice their future by trading guys like a Terrell Suggs and go, all right, well, you're out of here. Let's go ahead and get a young kid in like a Kelvin Benjamin. I, I don't think they're going to go ahead and do that. I do, however, think that we are going to see a lot of these older veterans that are costing too much. We're going to see them go, and the Ravens are going to look to the draft to try and pick up some of their replacements. And if they have a high draft pick, don't be surprised if they if they do something with Lardarius Webb in order to go ahead and maybe uh, uh, get a second first-round pick. Trade him and a, and a second to go ahead and move up into the first round. Hopefully something happens in that regard, and you pick up another cornerback uh, that can play opposite Jimmy Smith. Uh, hopefully initially, and if not, then maybe a year or two down the line. Um, you know, pass rusher, like we mentioned. I, I think once you start talking about those key players, I think you're talking about a, a rebuild, not necessarily a retool like we like we're used to, where okay. aging veterans like Ray Lewis eventually get replaced by C.J. Mosley. You know, I I still I'm still disagreeing. Uh, one of the big factors that you talked about is Colecchio Semeli leaving, and I don't see it happening. Reason being, we paid Marshall Yonda, the best guard in football. I know he's on the back end of his career. You know, he may have three good years left, and then he might drop past that top ten mark finally. Um, but Colecchio Semeli will not be getting more money than him. Maybe on the free agent market if he leaves for that, but I don't know if he's going to leave this organization. Uh, especially after his, his season. He has not been playing. Yep. Especially uh, Hurst kind of helped the Ravens in that aspect because all of a sudden his grading went supremely down the line, especially as compared to last year. He was a uh, top five as a uh, as an offensive guard last year, and then he completely plummeted uh, at the start of this season after Eugene Monroe, Monroe went out with, uh, with that concussion. And after those games, now he is coming back. His stats are starting to look much, much better. And and he will obviously continue to progress in my mind anyways. But I don't think the Ravens will be paying. Uh, the Ravens never overpay. Or at least they don't try to. And especially in free agent talks. But I don't think that Coletio Semele is leaving. I, I may It may just be being a, a hopeful optimist for once instead of a realist. But I feel like on a, on a true level, they won't be... They, they will, neither group is going to be asking for far too much more, especially with that Marshall Yonda contract kind of setting the market. I don't think that Marshall Yonda contract set the market, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. He's paid as a top five uh, guard, which he is, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about that just a minute ago. He's, he's yep. number one he's, by he's far. far and away the best at his position. You, you don't pay him the, the fifth. Aspect. As J.J. Watt's the best at his, or you, Aaron Rodgers is the you, best You at pay his. Marshall Yonda the fifth-ranked guard contract, not because he's that bad or, or because he's that good in that case. You pay it because he's that good, but you, you only have how many years left. I mean, that that's going to be his retirement contract. So I don't think that set the market necessarily. I, I think it's a good contract for him, and I think it's a great third contract for a guy who, like I said, has three years left. 
Um, maybe four if he's lucky, if he's lucky. And that, that's being honest, especially guards. They get beat up pretty bad. Uh, Coleccio Semele is at the start of his career. I mean, he'll be, what, in his fourth season by that point? That's the point where we see that transition. And and even with that, assembly has been downright great. I mean, we saw it uh, against the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, we've seen it really all season long. He's been beating the piss out of his opponent almost every single game. Uh, and sadly, he's had James Hurst on the left side of him for a lot of those games and Jeremy Zutal on the right side of him. So he hasn't had what even Marshall Yond has had, which Ricky Wagner, I, I'd take Ricky Wagner over uh, James Hurst any day of the week. And he does have Jeremy Zutal to the left of him in that regard. But uh, even Yond has had a better hand dealt to him on that uh, mm-hmm. than, than Osemele has. And I, I don't know. I, I think if you're smart, though, another team will offer him a, a boatload of money. And I think right. we, we saw it with Torrey Smith. As much as Torrey Smith calls Baltimore his home, and it is, he born and raised here and all that good stuff, um, dude left for the cash. And I yeah. think any player in a second contract is going to leave for that cash. So the Baltimore Ravens, they're not going to be able to keep him simply because another team's going to offer him $8 million a year. Okay. I do have the numbers up here now. Coletio Semele is the 21st ranked guard in the NFL right now. He has a 4.2 overall rating, according to Pro Football Focus. His run blocking is 8.7, but his pass blocking is a negative 4.5. That's a huge difference. He's third best in run blocking, but in pass blocking, he is all the way to 62nd, which is kind of a big deal. He's he is just as good at pass blocking as Jamarcus Webb is at pass blocking. <laughs> that is a that is a true statement. Is right here. That, Jamarcus Webb negative four point five. Coletio Semele negative four point five. That's fair. And, and and you know Kyle, you and I have talked about it in the past, but PFF rankings are not the end all be all. No, uh, and he certainly is not. He's not as good of a, of a pass blocker as he is a run blocker. And I, I think even he would admit that. But again, how much of that is on James Hurst and Jeremy Zuta allowing blitzers in? I mean, how much can you do when you've got those two guys on on either side of you um, who are are terrible, terrible pass blockers? Jeremy Zuta has been known for being a terrible uh, pass blocker for years, and James Hurst is – well, he's James Hurst. So, um, I do have uh, (laughs) – he's allowed one sack. He's allowed two quarterback hits and nine quarterback hurries. So some of that's probably uh, – it's not probably. Some of that is because of James Hurst. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still – you can't blame all that on him. No, you no. Can't and, blame all of that and, on I, and I definitely won't. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's the eye test. Michael Ower got a contract – <laughs> outside of Baltimore for a decent amount of money, actually. Now, they, the Tennessee Titans let him go the next year. Too, by the way. But he, he, Michael Ower was known he was not going to come back here regardless of what the hell happened. He could have played for a veteran minimum, and Baltimore would have went, nah, man, it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he got a big, fat contract from the Tennessee Titans. There, There's enough stupid teams out there to give anybody stupid money, and if you've even as a good run blocker, think about uh, the Oakland Raiders, for example. They, they've got a good thing going. They would love a great run blocker uh, to to pave the way for for all their guys that that you know they're going to be picking up over the last next few years. Right. I think the Ravens get a load of cap 
back after this season. Ray Rice will be off of it. I pretty, I'm pretty sure Dennis Pitta's not going to be playing anymore, so that will cut down yeah. some. Uh, I believe they have another guy on the cap that's actually causing a, uh, quite a bit of problems, uh, Webb. And then um, I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but I know we're going to get, I think it's around like $20 million off the cap from totaling all of those contracts. And with that, the Ravens might be able to actually pay for Kalechi on a on a deal that works for both. Now, if he's going to go for the cash, one, I don't blame him. I'm always for players going out and get the money. This is a very short career. Get the money while you can. I know people say it's ridiculous how much they get paid, but it's just the nature of the business. It's a billion-dollar industry, so you know you might as well be, as a player, get your money, especially these big linemen. You know, It's unfair that they are tra- they're mishandled it when they, uh, they do a lot more work than most of the players. Well, we, we got another so person if, calling if, in real quick. Awesome. Let's go Thank ahead and goodness. go to them. Thanks for joining us here on the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. How's it going? Oh, can you hear me? Hello? I'm not getting anything. Yep. All right. So <laughs> had to let them go. Um, yeah, again, mm-hmm. sorry, everybody, for our audio issues. This is something that uh, we kind of did last second in terms of getting the call-in number, so bear with us a little bit. We're going to try to work out those issues in this podcast and, and moving forward so that way we can do this hopefully more often. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, as it is, call in, um, and we'll try to go ahead and make it work, 410-635-0869. Um, you know, Kyle, I'm looking at uh, Spotrack, who has the uh, the the – estimated cap totals for 2016 the cap space that the ravens are actually going to have is roughly five uh about five and a half million dollars it's not as much as i think a lot of people uh believe it's going to be and, and i did see something from a russell street report that said actually by the time it's all said and done uh it's probably going to be closer to like eight and a half million which again is is good but it's not great uh guys like Lardarius webb are probably going to be cut he has a cap hit next year of nine and a half million dollars but the big issue here is he does have a dead cap hit of $6 million. So the Ravens will save $3.5 million by cutting him. Um, but that's not as great as I, I imagine you would want it to be. Um, let's let's look at some of the other players here with big cap. Elvis Doomerville is another guy who has a, a not a huge cap hit, but it's just around $7.5 million. And uh, his, his post-June cut amount uh, is $2.375 million. So... Um, the Ravens might try to restructure Elvis Doomerville a little bit when you can go ahead and save about $5 million by cutting him. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Pitta, like you said, uh, his cap hit for next year is $7.2 million. His dead cap is 6.6. And obviously if he retires, the Ravens can split that up into hopefully two amounts because it's just a signing bonus. Um, so, you know, if, if at all possible, they can go ahead and try to split that off into, I believe, 2.2 for next season and uh, 4.4 for 2017. So the Ravens could possibly, if if they restructure some things properly, if they go ahead and cut some players, and again, we, we talked about that, uh, we're looking at some rebuilding going on now. Um, the Ravens could pros- possibly get 15, 20 million in cap room by the time everything's all said and done. So... It's not bad, but as of right now, it's not great either. So the Ravens are going to have to make some moves. 
Right. I, in my mind, I, one, Joe Flacco's uh, cap hit next year is $28.55 million. Yeah. Oh, my. Which is which is um, the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. Up next, uh, uh, some key players. I'll pull up some key players as one said uh, for the folks at home that don't know. I know you got your stuff in front. Lardarius Webb's cap hit is supposed to be $9.5 million. Yes, yeah. 9.5. Jimmy Smith's is 9.6, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, Will Hill is only 4.5. We got Matt Elam at 2.153, and I expect us to release him or uh, try and restructure for a very low cap hit. Um, let's see here as well. Daryl Smith is only 4.3. Elvis Doomerville, 7.3, which you were mentioning. Terrell Suggs, 7.4. Take note again, this is all by the million dollars, folks. But um, in my mind, maybe, do you think just next year to eat that uh, Joe Flacco cap hit and uh, kind of like maybe more towards what you're leaning about? I know it's not now I'm kind of proving myself like I'm wrong from our earlier argument, but <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't want to say it, rebuild after uh, after this kind of a cap hit. I mean, instead of having that every single year where you see those quarterbacks restructure their contracts, do an, uh, an extension to help the team out, would you instead want to uh, just eat $28.5 million of cap hit, have you a know, bad year next year, you it, know, well, uh, trade away some stuff, get some better players, and then the season afterwards come back strong? That That's actually a really big question. I mean, and I think a lot of Ravens fans and even us uh, as media – kind of expect the Ravens to try to talk to Joe Flacco and go, look, help us out a little bit here. But that, that raises a good point. His base salary next year is $18 million. He's got a $5.8 million signing bonus and a $4.75 million option bonus, making his total cap uh, hit $28.55 million, like you mentioned. His dead cap is $25.850, which actually means the Ravens, if they cut him, and that's never going to happen, but if they cut him, they'd actually pay right around $3 million more than if they just kept him. Yeah. So uh, he has no the, – the Ravens have no leverage by going to Joe Flacco and saying, hey, hey Joe, <laughs> come on, help us out, buddy. However, and this is the big however, they do the, the following – excuse me, actually, I was wrong on that. His cap hit, they would save $3 million by cutting him, but again, yeah. that's never going to happen. Next season, they're 2017 – uh, he has a space salary of $20.6 million, the same uh, signing bonus 5.8, and the same option bonus 4.75, meaning his cap hit for 2017 is a astounding $31.15 million. However, his cap hit, his dead cap hit, excuse me, is 15.3, meaning the Ravens would save essentially $15, $16 million by cutting him. That right there, you do have the leverage if you're the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe you go ahead and eat it next year and say, look, let's just let's shed the dead weight. Let's just recognize that it's going to be a crappy season. Let's shed mm -hmm. the dead weight. Let's get some of the young kids out there. Let's see who the hell we've got. Mm -hmm. And then you come back 2017, you, then you talk to Joe Flacco and say, look, Joe, let's, let's do a whole new deal. You only have one more year, that year of the signing bonus anyway, so you can roll that into the next deal, uh, which would be far easier to do than it would be 10.6 or 11.6 million dollars that you would have to try to do it in 2016. Uh, 
I, you could get far more out of that and get what you saw in the first maybe first year or two uh, of Joe Flacco's current contract, which was six point eight million and fourteen point eight million dollars. You can you can have his cap number if you do it in twenty seventeen. In my opinion, and again, I'm I'm not a math genius by any stretch of the imagination, so uh, who the hell knows? But um, it, it certainly makes sense for me on that one. And I don't know. I don't know. It, it's that's it's, uh, yeah, it's a in, good I'm question. Of, maybe just next year, you know, get Ozzy. Would you? Would you, all right. So say say you know for fact that they're going to uh, next season. They're just going to bust. They're just going to eat the cap hit. They're gonna they're gonna do what you and I just finished talking about. You know, yeah. get the young guys out there. Get it going. Would you want Ozzy to trade down this upcoming season? He has the fifth pick. He has the fifth pick. Somehow we win some games, and a lot of teams lose more games than we do. We get the yeah. fifth pick, and you already know that next season, Ozzy is not going to be uh, – like, the team is not going to be having a successful season with Joe Flacco eating that cap, with us cutting uh, Dennis Pitta, like Darius Webb. Um, I'm going to go worst case scenario, right? Steve Smith Sr. does retire. Terrell Selgs also retires. Uh And um, and would you want – okay, first on that question, would you want Kelechi Assembly to come back for, um, let's let's say, uh, a million less than Marshall Yonda – excuse me, a million more than what Marshall Yonda pays. So we're going to pay – uh, Kelechi, a million dollars more. I believe he'd be the uh, third ranked, guard, third highest paid guard in the league. Yeah. Yana would be the fifth. Would you want him back? Would you want Kelechi Assembly back? I don't think so. And, and here's my reasoning. Really? He's not the greatest pass blocker. And, and we just covered that. He's, he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not good either. Um, he is a great run blocker, but I think you can find guys in the second and third rounds uh, that can go ahead and cover that. And I think the Ravens are set, or, or, excuse me, have been setting themselves up for that eventuality. I, I think they've known mm-hmm. that Kelechi Assembly was going to outplay his contract with the Ravens and that he was going to end up going somewhere else. Uh, we, we've seen some of the other guys that the Ravens, I think, want to go ahead and put in there. Uh, Urschel is the biggest uh, guy that I think the Ravens would want to go ahead and slide into that slot. Right. I, I think you would do that, save even more money. Um, you, you don't get a guy that you get to keep for four or five more years like you right. would if you kept uh, if you kept him. But at the same time, I think you save a lot more money and you could rebuild that line. Or excuse me, retool that line. It's it would not be a rebuild at that stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a retool of that line, and you still have the big foundation of Marshall Yonda on that right side. I, I think you could get by without Kelechi Semele if you're the Baltimore Ravens. And then and then you'd be able to, in 2017, be able to use some actual money in free agency and pick up a weapon or pick up a uh, defensive player that, you know, you finally need or maybe a lineman that you wanted to pick up a year later. You know, so, like, I can't believe we're actually talking. That You and I, at the start of this season, were like, man, Super Bowl or bust. And now we're just going, <laughs> man, we're going to bust this year and next year so we can be good two years down the road. I can't believe that. It's yeah. Nuts. I, I mean, I'm looking at Spotrack as as we speak right now and, and looking at 2017. If we just keep the guys that are set to be under contract with their current contracts, and that includes Joe Flacco and his $31.15 million dollars. Going off of what the estimated cap would be, which is right around 150 million, let's just say 152 to make it a little bit easier on me. 
the active contracts the Baltimore Ravens have are $127.6 million. So that okay. would give you right around $25 million to just throw away to people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one hell of a strip club bill. But, Amen. <laughs> but um, you know, and, and again, like we just talked about, if you go ahead and lower uh, Flacco's cap hit by about half of what it would be, which I think you could do. So let's just say mm-hmm. it's $15 million, you get 15 back. We're talking about now $40 million in cap space. Now, of course, that's not a shitload of players, if I'm honest. Um, I, yeah. I'm not going to count them here, but uh, it looks like 32 players. That's not a full roster by any stretch. Um, no. But you're talking about drafting and stuff like that over the next two years anyway. So I think you could go ahead and build up a full roster at that point. And then with $40 million, you could sign the guys that you want to sign. And that includes a guy like Elvis Dumerville. Give him a contract to stay with the Baltimore Ravens uh, for the end of his career. Uh, <laughs> maybe go ahead and do the same thing with C.J. Mosley. You're, you're, he's not going to obviously – it's not going to be his end of career contract, but it would be enough like you did with Jimmy Smith to get him to stick around in Baltimore without paying him a boatload of money. Um mm-hmm. You know, those types of guys, you, you could extend the guys that you want to extend, and you'd still have more than enough money to go out there. And a guy like Kelvin Benjamin, um, who, who's coming free at that point, let's just say, you could go ahead and offer him a hell of a contract. Um, and, and hopefully you go ahead and bring him in on a team that he knows is going to be competitive. Uh, it, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I don't know what the hell I would do in any of these situations, Kyle, but... Um, it's kind of exciting to think about in its own weird way. Yeah, <laughs> We're sitting no, there talking absolutely. about, ooh, $40 million. That's a thing that the Ravens have never had. Yeah. I, I dream of the day we can do that. <laughs> do. It'd be nice. Also, Cam Worthy, I know this is just a little tidbit. He's a wide receiver for the Ravens. If we cut him in 2017, the dead cap is only $834. <laughs> that was his signing bonus. We have to pay him 615000 for his base salary. His signing bonus is $834 in 2017. So if we cut him, we literally just have to pay $834. We have to cap. pay someone's rent. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's two months of my rent. So that's great. That's not even um, my mortgage. <laughs> yeah, Julian Wilson would only be three thousand dollars. Like, I'm pretty sure Ozzy like would open up his wallet and do that. Yeah, really, exactly. Just pull out hundos. All right, yeah. we got another call coming in. Let's see if this works. Come on, come on. Hey, you're joining us on the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. How's it going? Ah, it's doing all right. What's your question for us? I I missed that. What was that? They're going to realize that defensive coordinator coordinator, Dean P needs to be replaced. Ah, okay. That's a good question. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, answer that here. When is... Well, excuse me. When are the Ravens going to realize that defensive coordinator Dean Pease needs to be replaced? Kyle, I'm I'm gonna let you take a first swing at that one, man. Oh, good, because I'm fucking hate, I'm fucking sick of DPs. Thank you for asking this question. I don't really get to hear it. Um, I had Matt actually turn up his speakers so I could hear it through his description. So I heard that. When are we going to realize the Ravens want to get rid of DPs? This fucking season would be nice. Uh, the reason behind that is uh, this team masked the inefficiencies of Dean P's scheme. He is a bend-but-don't-break style of defense, which works when you have a powerhouse front seven excuse me, led by 
the best linebacker of all time, a, a high motor uh, left outside linebacker, Terrell Suggs, who could blast anything. He can both run stop and pass rush with the best of them. And he had Ed Reed in the backfield saving his ass because Ed Reed told everybody what to do. See, I believe I have a philosophy that Ray Lewis coached everybody on the front seven on every single play. He told everybody where to be, what to do, and how to do it. Ed Reed in his secondary told everybody where to be, how to be, and how to do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started winning games. We won a shitload of games, in fact, and then won a Super Bowl. Now Ed Reed's gone. Ray Lewis is gone. And a couple injuries to some key players, and his scheme is shot dead in the water. We got players being eight yards off on third down and one. Jimmy Smith is off uh, against uh, Demarius Thomas on third and one. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm, I'm on your boat completely. I need this guy fucking out three weeks ago. Uh, I wanted him gone during the Raiders game. It's unreal. I, I can't believe Dean Pease uh, allows this to happen. And I can't believe John Harbaugh allows it to happen. That's what mainly upsets me is that Bashadi hasn't yelled at Harbaugh, and Harbaugh has not yelled at uh, Dean Pease in such a way of going, yo, what the fuck are you doing, or why are you calling that play? And I haven't seen that happen. Uh, obviously, I don't get to hang out with Harbaugh every goddamn day and uh, experience what happens. But I know for a fact that Dean Pease is still upstairs in the booth watching every single play. And yet, for some reason, we aren't going to do press coverage on any receivers. We're not going to mix up the blitz packages. We're not going to do halftime adjustments. We're playing the Raiders. The three-man rush hasn't worked. We said, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to drop into coverage. We're going to make Derek Carr make the throws. He starts throwing and completing all of his passes. We go, hmm, this is a rookie. This is a second-year player. Let's hit him with some pass rush. Let's hit him with some blitz packages. And we never fucking saw it. We never once saw that that, that blitz package attack Derek Carr. Derek Carr walked down the field on an 80-yard drive and scored a game-winning touchdown. We've seen it against the uh, the Bengals every single season. For some reason, A.J. Green knows how to play against G- uh, Jimmy Smith. It's unreal. I've seen it happen multiple times against the Bengals year in and year out. I hope very soon to get back to your initial question of when are these uh, – when are we going to figure out that Dean Pease is not a good defensive coordinator? I hope very soon, though. It's, it's disappointing in my mind. It's disappointing in every Baltimore Ravens fan's mind. This guy needs to be out at least by the end of the season. If you want to hang on to him so we get a better uh, draft pick, because, you know, why switch up now? It's a little bit too late. We're one in five. So why, might as well tank with uh, Dean Pease then try and fight for the 16th uh, overall draft pick, stick with the top five. But I'm hoping by the end of the season we don't see Dean Pease anymore and we can find a uh, defensive coordinator that can better suit the needs for the Baltimore Ravens. That's well, my answer. Well, well Kyle, I'm – I, I agree with you on the stance that uh, I'm a little annoyed at John Harbaugh. We saw it with Cam Cameron, the offensive coordinator. This is a guy that just sticks by his coaches, and, and that's that's admirable in, in a certain regard. But it's also about as frustrating as it possibly could be when you've got week after week after week, we've got a defense that is giving up the game. Um, and, and look, I'll be the first one to defend Dean Pease this season and even last season in the regard that I mean, who the hell do they, does he have playing for him anymore? I mean, I, hell, I, I've made the joke a few times, and I'll eventually I'll make it to Harbaugh himself that I've got my cleats out in the car, man. I just got off knee surgery, but shit, I could probably play better than half the guys you got out there right now. 
uh, it, it's it's a joke, but I mean, it's a joke with enough truth to it that kind of stings in its own regard. So I I I sit on the fence on this one, and and, I, and I'm I'm one of the few Ravens fans that does sit on the fence on this one. I, I don't know what he could possibly do better. I mean, we're talking about uh, so should he rush the oh, rush the passer a bit more? I I I don't think he could. I, I, it hasn't right. been working. Should he go ahead and sit and prevent defense? That isn't working. I, what the hell do you do? Okay. Um, I have I have something that uh, can kind of answer this. I would rather fight and lose than uh, try and prevent the loss. I would rather attack with blitzes and with mix-ups and with uh, being aggressive in play than being conservative, dropping back into coverage, playing prevent, and uh, like not trying to win, but hoping not to lose. That's what I call the difference on this. And I'd rather see this team fight tooth nail and lose than uh, be scared to win. But see, here, here's and here's where I'm going to call everyone's bluff because that's not the only time I've heard that. Mm-hmm. We saw that against San Francisco. Dean Pease decided, let's get after Colin Kaepernick. Let's see what he's got. And then everyone's pissed off because there was no safety help over the top. Well, I mean, what the fuck do See, you want? <laughs> that's not the guy you do it against. That's not I, the I guy just, that you attack. I, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL and say, hey, we should, you know who should we blitz? Not Colin Kaepernick. Not I think Russell that's Wilson, absolutely the guy that you should Cam go ahead Newton. and blitz. You know who I want to blitz? I want to blitz Derek Carr, Terry, Teddy Bridgewater. I want to blitz new, younger players in the league. Uh, RG3 if he was still playing. Kirk Cousins I'd blitz. Uh, Luke McCown, when we did blitz against him, there was a uh, excuse me, is it Josh? Was it's it Josh, Josh McCown? Yeah, it was Josh. Thank you. Josh McCown is the person that we blitzed. When we blitzed, he got scared, threw it up, and by the grace of God, Gary Barnage caught it with his ankles. That's, <laughs> That's why true. those work. Those work against younger players or uh, backups. You cannot send huge blitz packages against uh, running quarterbacks. Or or players that have been in the league many years, like I don't know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks like uh, Manning in his earlier years. Now he's, he's a little say, bit weaker, you, obviously. You I, I, I've never seen the blitz against him, but Tom Brady is somebody I'd also not want to blitz. I but see, that's the thing is is Colin Kaepernick, especially this season, has been just terrible. That's mm-hmm. the guy I blitz. I blitz him until he can't go ahead and see straight. He doesn't know where the hell he's throwing it. To. And, and we saw a little bit of that. We just didn't see it work. And, and I think a lot of that goes back to your personnel, and, and the Ravens don't have it. And I, but here's where I'm going to contradict myself, and here's where I'm probably going to lose this argument just simply because I'm, I'm doing this. Let's look at Dean P's passing defense throughout all of his years as a, as a coach. And he oh, spent yes, 2006 to 2009 with the New England Patriots, and he spent 2012 through, obviously, right now as – the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator 2006. I'm, I'm going to go by yards and touchdowns. The uh, ranking 2006 12th on yards, first on touchdowns 2007 sixth on yards, 18 on touchdowns 2008, 11 on yards, 31st on touchdowns. Well, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. 2009, 12 on yards and 12 20th on touchdowns. 2012 for the Baltimore Ravens, 17 on yards, second on touchdowns. 2013, 12th and 14. 2014, 23 and 6. And this year is 27 and 23rd. His his bend but don't break style of defense clearly is breaking more often than it's bending. Yep. I, I, I do not agree with that philosophy, and I'll agree with you on that one, Kyle. I, I want to see a guy... Um, 
I, I want to see a guy just blitz the shit out of everyone all the time. Um, Todd Bowles. <laughs> yeah, I, Chuck In Pagano. Yep. I, I want to see Chuck Pagano going ahead and throwing things at, at uh, you know at, at the offense. That's he's just blitzing every. He's throwing blitzes. Yep. Um, you know, it's that's what I want to see, and I, I think that's what works best for this team, and especially for the the aggressive stance that the Baltimore Ravens have on both sides of the football. However, yep. we're not seeing it from Dean Pease, and, and I do think, I think by the end of the season we see Dean Pease go simply because they're going to let him go ahead and hang himself this season. Again, we just talked about it. He's 23rd, 26th, excuse me, uh, 27th and 23rd uh, in, in yards and touchdowns this year. He was 23rd last year in yards and 6th in touchdowns by mm-hmm. some miraculous thing. Uh, but but honestly, he's, he's had a middling defense for pretty much all of his career um, when it comes to the passing defense. And, and it's okay during the uh, the rushing defense. I'm looking at the same thing, and it's mm-hmm. it's again it's it's a little better than half uh, half mark. So he he's an average coordinator. I will fully admit that. Uh, I just don't think he goes during the season. I, I sadly I don't think the Ravens have the same type of problems they had with Cam Cameron, uh, and I think a lot of that can be excused on. Uh, personnel and injuries right now, but I do think at the end of the season, especially with the defensive coordinators that look like they might be coming out uh, from mm-hmm. being head coaches, Chuck Pagano's a, a good uh, option for the Baltimore Ravens if he does get fired at the end of the year. Uh, I think a lot of those guys maybe start returning back to Baltimore because they've seen what happens uh, when your defensive coordinator or now even an offensive coordinator for Baltimore, you tend to get a head coaching job and you kind of set yourself up in a uh, nice spot if you. Uh, if you choose the right places, that is. Right. So, it, great question. Great, great question. Uh, again, we're probably going to get ready to hang up here in just a little bit because uh, it's 8.02 Eastern Standard Time uh, in yep. the PM. But hit us up. Uh, I think we got, what, one or two more questions, Kyle? Oh, you do that. Yeah, that sounds All good. All right. 410-635-0869. That's 410-635-0869. I'm going to go ahead and post it up here to Twitter as well just because – I like doing that to myself. Um, ask us about the, the Arizona Cardinals game coming up, and ask us uh, about what you guys think uh, is going on there. It should be interesting. Uh, hopefully it's interesting. Hopefully it's close. Though part of me does kind of want to go ahead and bet the uh, over on that, because I have a strange feeling the Cardinals are going to whoop the piss out of the Baltimore Ravens. See, that's what they were thinking about uh, them against the Steelers. And the Steelers won handily. That's true, but I think a lot of that was also you, you kind of get the ball bouncing your way. And Landry Jones, who when we talked to Neil Coolong uh, earlier when the Ravens played the Steelers, <laughs> we kind of heard his answer to to Landry Jones, which is if Landry Jones has to come out in the field for anything more than taking a a, a knee, expect mm-hmm. Twitter and and the Pittsburgh fan base to kind of just prepare the noose and and, and blast him on Twitter. Then we saw Landry Jones go ahead and throw a few touchdowns and, and look pretty damn good, actually. <laughs> so I, I, that, that happens. That happens sometimes. And, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, overall, most teams know that. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger came in for – who the hell was their quarterback at the time? Um, I can't remember now, but he got injured, and Ben Roethlisberger came in and was, like, lighting it up, and they never looked back. 
Yeah, um, that, I remember that because Chris McAllister was the one that took tackled the guy, injured him, and then uh, Ben Roethlisberger came in. Uh, he tore it up, but they lost that game, and then they didn't lose another one in the regular season. Yeah, it yeah, nuts. it's uh, and the same thing happened with Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Obviously, we, yeah. we all know how that story's ended so far. Um, not saying Landry Jones is going to be either one of those quarterbacks. Please don't right. post that all over yeah, Twitter. No. For the love of God, I can't <laughs> take another domination by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Please how, don't. How lucky could you get, really, at that point? You're talking about two quarterbacks in a row just suddenly coming and are good. Um, God, that's that's what I'm expecting from the Packers is just Brett Hundley trading behind Aaron <laughs> Rodgers for like four years, and then the way the farm happens and he gets in the game and then – God, that would, that would be weird. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that being said, I, I think sometimes you just get lucky and, and some of those teams are, that's how you end up doing it. But we got another call in. Hello, you're joining us on the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm all right. My name is Josh from California. Uh, we got Josh from California over here. What's your awesome. question, Josh? My question is, when are they... How, how do you guys feel about Mark Trestman as the offensive coordinator? That's a good question. Uh, Kyle, did you hear that? I heard some of it. What was the question? Uh, how do you feel about Mark Trestman as a coordinator? Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much for the question, first and foremost, Josh from California. Now, I, uh, I, I'm very upset. And the reason I'm upset is because I was told from the beginning he's adding <laughs> new wrinkles to Gary Kubiak's offense. Gary Kubiak's offense broke franchise records for the Baltimore Ravens on passing, on rushing, I believe on rushing touchdowns, maybe, uh, except uh, I know we've had great running backs in the past, obviously. Jamal Lewis had loads of records. But first and foremost, what I want to say is I was expecting more Gary Kubiak-style playmaking ability. I expected the, uh, the intermediate passes, Lots of play action and that stretch run game that got Justin Forsett over 1,200 yards. I didn't get to see that. I also don't see Flacco throwing for 4,000 yards like he did last season almost. I believe he was nine yards off from being being there, like 109 yards, one of the two. And I'm seeing Flacco forcing 13 targets to only one player. I see no uh, play action really mixing it up. I know our personnel is very bad, but last season it was about the exact same thing, right? So why aren't we able to become successful off our, on our offensive game at least? Why aren't we able to put up the same amount of points as we were doing last season? Because players just, like, every team knows the the scheme of Gary Kubiak. I don't think that's what it is. I think that Mark Tressman changed it up to his old tactics from uh, his Chicago days and, and they, it is even like the good plays that I've seen. Like back then, I remember Matt Forte being used almost exclusively. He had over 100 catches the year he was with the uh, Chicago Bears. I saw Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey take note two very huge receivers being able to run screen plays with each other. I haven't seen Kamar Aiken on a screen pass yet. I've seen uh, Steve Smith get one of them. And I would love Steve Smith to get more screen passes with Marlon Brown and uh, – Kamar Aiken blocking for him because those are bigger bodied receivers or even Darren Waller when he comes back from a concussion. So Steve Smith can get into that secondary sprint off on a screen pass because he is very dangerous in that in that open field. We've obviously seen that many, many times. I don't like Trestman's offense. I'm very disappointed with it. And I hate to say that I would rather have Flacco have uh, five offensive coordinators in five years than have Mark Trestman back next season if it continues the way it has been. Now, the past two weeks, 
we've had a healthier offensive line and uh, the run game starting to get built up. We're starting to run more stretch plays to the outsides. The passing game seems to be opening up some. Steve Smith is back and he's tearing up every single play. Obviously this man is a man possessed by uh, determination and uh, rage because that's all he is made of. Uh, but I don't see enough of what I wanted to see from the beginning of the season. So I, I, I'm disappointed with Mark Tressman's offense. How about you, Matthew? I, I'm, I'm going to first and foremost, I, I want to correct you on two things, Kyle. You mentioned that uh, Flacco doesn't look like he's hit because he's going to hit 4,000 yards. Uh, he's actually on pace for 4,280, by far the most of his career. Right. Uh, and okay. on the yeah. other side... Uh, with Justin Forsett, he is actually on pace for 1,462.4 yards on the ground alone. Um, I, I will say that I am also kind of unhappy with Mark Tressman, and, and for the same reason that you said, Kyle, in the idea that uh, he was supposed to add some new wrinkles. And, and we've seen some of those new wrinkles, and, and I think in the last few weeks we've seen the offense go the direction that it should have gone from the start. And, and maybe that's just yeah. he's trying to get – in with everybody and, and, and try to understand everyone. It takes a little bit of time to go ahead and do that when it's a new team and, and all that good stuff. So uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. That's what I'm, I'm aiming on. Uh, I think a lot of Ravens fans, and we've heard this so far uh, in, in especially early on in the season when, when I was kind of blasting Trestman for his red zone offense, um, I heard a lot of fans go, look, the Ravens are putting up 30 points. What, could, what more could you ask from them? 40 points. That's that's what I mean. <laughs> I why, why the hell stop? I, I I don't know why this is a well. He put up thirty points. I don't care how many points he wants, or how many points he puts up there. If I see a missed opportunity and I see multiple missed opportunities for the same type of reason, I, I'm gonna blast you for it. That's that's what I get to do as um, a, a journalist or as a media member. I get to go ahead and look at those things because I'm not an offensive coordinator and then tell you how bad of an offensive coordinator you are. It's it's the bonus of this job. But um, in all seriousness, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. I, I don't like Mark Tressman's red zone offense. And we saw it earlier in the season when he was throwing uh, uh, jump balls for Steve Smith in the end zone. I, I hate that. I despise that type of offense. That is that is Kyle Bowler-esque offense. I, I despise it with a passion. I think it takes no real talent to go ahead and, and throw that pass if you're a quarterback uh, and, and I think it relies so much on the height and jumping ability of a wide receiver uh, that I find it just moronic that you would throw it to your smallest wide receiver. As much as I love Steve Smith as a wide receiver, that's not the play you throw to him. You throw it to, you know, what, six foot five, uh, uh, Kamar Aiken. You throw it to Darren Waller, who's like a fucking statue. I, I, you, you throw it to, to one of your Godzilla esque fucking wide receivers not to the guy that's like five foot nine and needs a booster chair exactly now i do have a couple <laughs> of things to kind of save mark Tressman's ass uh steve smith has dropped three touchdown passes in the end zone this season yes three of those being in his hands and and yeah. it wasn't like he was getting smashed in between it no he's dropped three of them and it's been disappointing we saw i believe crockett gilmore drop one in the end zone so yeah. His red zone offense isn't particularly terrible, as well as it's bad and the players are only making it worse. That's why I keep flip-flopping on Mark Tressman. 
because he looks good at some points. Like, it's third and 12, and you know what he dials up? A pitch toss and a bunch formation <laughs> on the left side, and it works. And he not only does it once, but he does it twice the next game, and I saw it. And I went, that's a great fucking play call. Because you got all of these guys stacked, bunched in there. You got Marlon Brown standing on the inside, up at the front. You got Kamarikin on the far left in that bunch formation. He's going to seal off containment. You see Kalechi Osemele hoofing it around because they're going <laughs> to let that DN slide inside. As soon as Flacco turns around, pitches it off, that DN is absolutely worthless because he he forgot gap responsibility, rushed inside, got all excited. It's third and ten. It's got to be a pass, right? And yeah. he left that open. And all of a sudden, you see Forsett or Lorenzo Taliferro, because I believe he was in on one of them, with a pitch toss to the left side, go all the way up on a third and twelve. He's done great plays in that sense, but he's also made some really stupid plays. You know, like that jump ball to Steve Smith. I was like, what? Now, I'm in the same boat as Matt for the most part. I say, if you're going to throw it to anybody on our team, why not Steve Smith? And the reason being, he jumps like he's seven foot tall and uh, has hands like uh, he's the Incredible Hulk and he's going to knock everybody out when he catches that football. So I understand those plays, but I don't like them. That's why I don't ever uh, like agree with a jump ball. We don't have Des Bryant. We don't have Julio Jones. Yeah. We sure as hell don't got Calvin Johnson. So why the fuck are we throwing those at all? Yeah, exactly. And and it goes back and forth. I I keep flip flopping about every other every other game. I'm like, dude, I should. This guy's got some good <laughs> ideas. And then the next game, I'm like, why the fuck is he calling our plays? I, and I, here's here's the thing. And I just thought about it now, Kyle. You and I have said this about Joe Flacco that. You know, on some plays he th- he he threads a needle that it's like, holy shit! I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> like he he had to have like warped the football, just create like a weird wormhole, and it just teleported mm-hmm. to the. It, there's those types of three throws, and on the very next play, he'll go ahead and just stare down his wide receiver and throw it right at the defensive back, and you're like, what the hell, Flacco? Who the? <laughs> All right, all right. What what Frankenstein-looking guy went ahead and, and pasted some fake eyebrows on himself and put on Flacco's uniform? I think Mark Trestman's the same exact way. I think he he's so bipolar in the way that he does things, and we saw it against Cleveland a little bit. That that bootleg, naked bootleg for Flacco, where he ran the first touchdown, brilliance, he didn't absolute call that. brilliance. Did he I, call that? I think Flacco did that. I think Flacco did that. Fl- Flacco might have done that, but nonetheless, it, it was still an option for him to audible too. Yeah. I think that's brilliance. I think that was a perfect assignment. Then we saw it like four more times in the same game, and it's like, all right, man. I now we're okay. I know Flacco's <laughs> rolling out, man. Like every every play, you're not gonna fool the D end anymore. It's just not gonna happen. So we see those types of things i i think mark trestman has the ability to be a really great offensive coordinator and he's doing good things here in baltimore um but he also has those times when you just you wonder what the hell happened and and of course we don't know what exactly what play was called and we don't know if maybe somebody failed their assignment uh whether it be running a route properly or if joe just threw it to the wrong area so we we can't fully judge him um it's not going to stop us though because Again, that's the bonus of this job. <laughs> I get paid to go ahead and bash him regardless. Um, but, you know, I I, I like Mark Trestman. I, I'll be interested to see what he does next year. He's not going anywhere. The Ravens are putting up points. Uh, I believe they're top 10 in, in offense. You, you don't fire a guy that makes a top 10 offense. It just doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, he, he's not going anywhere. 
We've got time for one more question. Anybody who's going to go ahead and call in, 410-635-0869. That's 410-635-0869. God, what else to talk about, Kyle? You know what? Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta came back and practiced. Uh, it's it's nice to see the man with a fractured hip, two of them now, uh, go ahead and come back and put pads on and, and get back into the action. Uh, how about you about that, Kyle? Oh, looks like I lost Kyle. I'm back. Oh, I'm there back. you go. There you go. Kyle's back. All right. He snoozed off on us there for a second. How do you feel about Dennis Pitta coming back to the action and, and practicing for the Baltimore Ravens? I believe in Dennis Pitta. But can we trust him? <laughs> can so we I, trust can his hip? Can use the Batman voice for that? <laughs> I mean, Dennis Pitta, can we trust him? <laughs> you know? and I, don't think, I don't think we can trust him. I, I mean, I believe in Dennis Pitta, but we cannot trust Dennis Pitta. So He's, what going, to be done. He's going to be retired. That's all there is to it. He's turned to two-face. The injuries won't turn him back. So, so what you're saying is he has the hip that uh, we need, not the hip that we want? Uh, he has the playmaking we deserve, but not the go. body that we uh, – no, he has the playmaking we need, but the body we don't deserve. Something deserve like that. to have a body that actually works. <laughs> I was going to try to do something with Bane, but it's just – uh, you know what? It's it's quarter after eight here, so I'm I'm about wiped out. But um, you're about yeah, you're about burned. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, something about like I was born in the training room. I don't know. Um, born in the training room. Molded <laughs> <laughs> by it. I didn't see the gridiron until I was already a man. If this doesn't lose followers, I don't know what. I'm so happy anybody's stuck around so far. Thank you so very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kyle. He'll be here callers? all night. Do we have any more callers this evening, folks? Please I was gonna say, we got, dial us up. Got like two more minutes, and if we don't get another caller, we'll go ahead and go uh, and, and cut it out for the night. But um, it's, it's it is nice to see Dennis Pitta back on the field, and, and you mentioned that, Kyle. I I, I think he's done too. Um, Heartbreakingly, I, I think even he realizes that he's done. He's going to try it out this year. He's obviously getting paid pig ass money to do it. So, um, you know, one one of the big quotes was uh, from Dennis Pitta about his wife. She's not exactly thrilled that her husband's going to give it another try this season. His quote was, she's not really excited about me being out there. Uh, she was nervous last night and just didn't want to get that call that something went wrong today. Like I said, she supports me in everything that I'm doing, and I'm lucky to have her. And we've got another call. God, I love this. Hello, you're on the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Doing great, man. What's your name? All right, Khalees? Yes, sir. All right, what's your question for us tonight? Uh, my question is, uh, do you think uh, the Ravens have a cornerstone piece? I was just reading the article on ESPN. I was seeing Ray Lewis. You know, he don't think we have a cornerstone to build around. A cornerstone piece? That's that's a great question, and obviously ties oh, in to uh, to the Ray Lewis uh, thing on uh, on ESPN. So, yeah, that, that's brilliant. Thanks very much, Khalees. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start this one, Kyle. I think I think the Baltimore Ravens have a few cornerstone pieces, and I understand what Ray Lewis is saying. I don't think there's anyone there that that has that big pop or that big pizzazz to, to throw jam, jazz hands out there. But um, I, I like the guys, Jimmy Smith. I think he is a top ten corner when he's fully healthy, and I, I don't think he's fully healthy right now. C.J. Mosley, I think, is one of the top five middle linebackers in football, uh, bar none. 
I, I think that's when he's healthy. And, I, and again, I think he's another guy that's just not healthy this season. He got hurt earlier in the season, and uh, we haven't seen him kind of keep that speed that he had last year. So I wonder what's up with him uh, if we don't find out that he's going to have surgery at the end of the year. Uh, again, that's that's complete conjecture. It's not for sure by any stretch of the imagination, and I haven't really seen him on any of the injury reports. So that's just my belief. But, um, you know, they, they've got two guys like that. And on the offensive side of the ball, they do have Flacco. And I, I think a lot's made out of Flacco being elite, not being elite. Is he a good quarterback? Is he a bad quarterback? I, I think he's a guy that won a Super Bowl, I think. Um, and he did it handily. This is not like the Trent Dilfer Super Bowl that Kyle and I called earlier in our Rabble career. Um, oh, <laughs> this is a guy that put up one of the best postseasons in the history of the game. Uh, along the, the the names of you know like Joe Montana and and Brett Favre and, and things like that. So w- when you get those types of names surrounding you, I I think you're a pretty solid quarterback. And even though we just did say that Flacco is one of those guys that will throw a fantastic pass and then throw a pick six the next play, I, I think when he's got the right things around him, I think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That being said, he needs to have the right things around him, and the Ravens really have yet to give him those types of things uh, on a consistent basis. So there are cornerstones there. I think the Ravens have one of the better offensive and defensive lines when everybody's healthy. Um, And and I think football starts in the trenches. But like we said earlier with one of the earlier questions on on who do the Ravens draft, the Ravens need skill positions. They need a Des Bryant. They need, Mm -hmm. at the very least, they need a wide receiver they can count on um, and who can fucking play Brashad Perryman. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get a single interview after this. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they need those types of players. They need a running back who is a little bit younger than Justin Forsett and, and can build into things. A guy like Jamal Lewis, uh, for instance. And, and I think they need another corner opposite of Jimmy Smith. Or Darius Webb's just not cutting anymore. He's a nickel corner at best anymore. Um, he, he fits better into that slot. And they don't have a guy that can sit on that outside who just isn't going to get picked apart. Um, so, so they need small pieces. It's not a full rebuild, but they need the small pieces, but I think they do have cornerstone people. And, and I think, I think when you look at a team that doesn't have a cornerstone, I think you look at a team like Jacksonville, they just, they have nobody. It's, it's a team of, I, I, I name somebody who they have on their team that is a cornerstone. Do you think Blake Bortles is really a cornerstone? Do you think he's a franchise quarterback, Kyle? Yes. You need to build around him. You need to build around him, and that's what Fair they're enough. finally doing. I like their general manager. I don't like Gus Bradley as much anymore. He's not doing anything to save that franchise anymore. He's only hindering them. They've only won five games in, like, the last three seasons, or they haven't won over five games in the last three seasons. That's what it is. So I think they need to build around uh, Blake Bortles, though. I like what I've seen from him so far. He passes the eye test as a young quarterback with nothing to help him out with. No run game, no receivers, no offensive line, but he's passed the eye test for a receiver that can, well, as a quarterback that can do stuff. But I want to get back to the original question on the uh, Ravens. A cornerstone. I have about three of them. One, Joe Flacco. He's still a franchise quarterback. He deserves to be built around. Two, C.J. Mosley. He is a phenomenal linebacker, inside linebacker, for the Baltimore Ravens, and every time we build around an inside linebacker, it seems to do all right. Last <laughs> I checked, uh, we had uh, we, we built around one of them for 17 years, in fact. Now, another player I want to build around and keep 
for as long as physically possible is my man, Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams is the best nose tackle in football, and it's not even close. He's the best run stopper as a defensive lineman, except for um, uh, nobody, because he's the best defensive lineman, say, for J.J. <laughs> Watt. J.J. Watt is about the only lineman on the defensive side that is a better run stuffer than he is. He is double the closest player as a defensive tackle or a nose tackle. That is somebody you build around. Somebody that can have trench warfare like that. I believe it's his third season in the league or it's his fourth. I believe it's his third. He got drafted in 2012 right after the uh yeah. right after our Super Bowl victory. Because he was one of the very first players I wrote about in fact. And yeah, no, I believe we need to build around Brandon Williams and CJ Mosley. Two run stopping players we need to start building around. We need to get some pass uh, pass coverage linebackers. We need to have somebody to fill Daryl Smith's pass coverage role. We need to have some better uh, uh, outside linebackers once Terrell Suggs leaves. Elvis Doomerville's got some more time than uh, Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs, like Matt mentioned earlier, has two Achilles tears, so we need to get somebody to fill that role ASAP. Zadarius Smith doesn't seem like he's going to be the answer, but he's a rookie, and I understand that you need some time to fill in that role. I believe we need to build around those three players. Joe Flacco. CJ Mosley and Brandon Williams. Those are my answers though. But yeah. thank you so very much for that question. That's awesome. I'm so happy we got another question in before we uh, had to finally tune out. Matt, do you have anything else left to say before we uh, say our goodbyes? No, man, I'm just uh, pumped for everybody that asked questions and sorry that we had the, uh, the issues earlier in the episode. It looks like we finally got them kind of figured out and we'll, we'll get that a little bit more fine tuned before next week's episode. But, uh, you know, thanks everybody for, for joining in. We have 55 plays today. I think that's the most of our regular podcasts here on Rabble, uh, outside of game days. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with that. Thanks for joining us. You can catch us every single Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, what we'll do is we'll try to get this call-in number tweaked just a little bit better for next week's episode and uh, get you guys in uh, involved a little bit more on the episode as well. So thanks very much, people. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for tuning in to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. You'll catch us next week on Thursday, folks. Have a good one. Listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. If you like what we do, please like and share us on SoundCloud, Rabble.tv, and iTunes. Also, check out our Patreon account to donate as little as a dollar toward the cause and get some cool perks. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for yet seven. another Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It's at 7 on Thursdays. <laughs>